0: Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. I'm Jordan Lewis and this is Searching Scripture. Each episode I go over questions that I might be having for myself or questions that I get asked and share with you all what I find. I believe that the Bible is a complete and true word of God and that there is nothing in the Bible that God didn't allow there as well as nothing left out of the Bible that God did not want out. Join me while I answer today's question using Scripture. Hey everyone, thanks for joining. Today's topic just kind of fell into my lap. Uh, It really wasn't the topic I was expecting to do, but my buddy and I were conversating and it brought up the question about whether or not new translation Bibles have been corrupted and if the New King James Version is truly the only reliable source. I thought I knew a little bit about Bible translations and different versions, but I discovered that I wasn't able to answer the question as well as I would have liked. Um, So I decided that I was going to research this topic, um, and I went to my typical sources like Alan Parr, Mike Winger, GotQuestions.com, a number of other websites, and of course, Scripture. I wanted to share all this with you guys because I've heard people talking about how the King James Version was really the best or most reliable Bible compared to others, and I wanted to do this for those that might have had someone they knew in their life who claimed that same thing, or even claimed that the King James Version was the only inspired word, which could make some of you a little hesitant or questioning the Bible that you have personally. Now, I understand a lot of people don't use the King James Bible anymore, but uh, trust me when I say that there are certainly people out there um, who who push King James only. Okay, it's kind of one of those things where uh, you either really just, you only do King James and you push that hard, uh, or you're open to other translations and you just don't care what somebody uses. Um, so it's really kind of, there's that strict of people on this topic. Um, so the first thing that we can start off saying is, Every English Bible is translated, even the King James Version. In fact, there are many versions of the King James Bible, and some estimate it to be about 19. Um, You know, many of you listening may have had your parents or your grandparents grow up with the King James Version, um, and they haven't really known much else. Um, You know, back in the day, it was said that the King James Version of the Bible is as beautiful as Shakespeare and just as simple. Um, that first kind of made me laugh because I don't know about you, but there's certainly nothing simple about trying to read that old English-style writing from the 1600s. Um, I do know it's, it's been updated since then, but there's still some words in there that, um, you know, kind of catch me off guard and just kind of makes it hard to have a nice flow. Um So I'm telling you to keep in mind that every English Bible is translated because it's important to know that, you know, the King James Version is technically not perfect just like all the other versions that came after it. And I say this because the original manuscripts used in the Bible were written in Hebrew, uh, Greek, and Aramaic, which makes it super difficult to translate properly. Especially since there are 5 million Greek words and only 1 million English words. So it's almost impossible to completely translate or make clear what some of those Greek words were saying when we don't even have a word for it. So, as we look at these Bible translations, I want to cover that there are two main types. The first is what we call word for word. Okay, this is like the King James Version. And it's where you're trying to translate each word and preserve the word order. Okay, they tried to literally translate every Greek word to whatever English word fit it best. And this way makes it the closest thing to the original text. The second translation type is called phrase for phrase or thought for thought. Um, This way translate an entire phrase, but essentially sacrifices word order to be able to communicate more clearly. These translations do make it easier to read and to understand, but it also sometimes tends to water down or sacrifice some meaning, uh, but still gets a message across without sacrificing basic Christian doctrine. Uh, let me show you the difference between the two translation types using the same verse, but one from the King James Version Uh, being word for word, and the other from the NIV, um, which I believe stands for New International Version, um, being phrase for phrase. So we're going to use Matthew 1.18. Uh, The word for word out of King James says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, of the Holy Spirit. So, phrase for phrase, in the NIV says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Okay, I don't know about you, but you could probably even tell it was easier for me to read that second one. Um, Just kind of came across a little easier, um, and I feel like it just made a little more sense to me, so, um, you know, but the question is, you know, we had the King James Version Bible, which was loved by many, and it seemed to have translated the original Bible most accurately, as far as the word for word, um, so why do we have all these new translations, and in these new translations, are there people creating them, purposefully leaving out verses, um, are they changing verses and slowly corrupting the Bible to say what they want it to say? So, uh, I'm going to discuss three reasons why there are new translations and why I believe that there's still a reliable source of the Word of God. The first reason is simple. It's money. Um, the Bible is a bestseller. It is now, and it probably always will be, um, well, uh, till end times, really, when it's probably uh, considered hate speech. Um, but yeah, it's a bestseller. So people are wanting to recreate the Bible and making new translations so that they're not having to pay royalties to someone else's translation um, and that they can just make their own. So that's really the first basic reason that there are multiple translations in English and multiple, multiple translations for sure. The second reason is that the English language just it changes over time. The King James Version Bible was written in 1611, so it's using uh, over 400-year-old language, which makes it very difficult to read using words that we just don't use anymore. Now, uh, if you do have an original King James Version Bible, it's likely that it's not even actually the original. Um, Again, we mentioned this version has been updated almost 19 times, uh, but the original from 1611, it used different letters. It was very difficult to read. It was written in Gothic font, which looked cool, but was actually really difficult to read. Um, I went online and I found uh, an original 1611 that you're able to actually read through and see how it was written and it was very strange letters were used differently than um, a capital i was used for a j in jesus um, and a v was used as use um so instead of upon with u-p-o-n it was v-p-o-n um so definitely very confusing as far as the 1611 so now it's likely that your version of the Bible uh, of King James, if that's what you have, is from the 1769 version, which had been edited um, a little more uh, and went to Roman fonts to kind of help readers. Um, now we talk about English language changes over time. There's many words that were used in 1611 that are either uh, obsolete or no longer have the same meaning today that they did back then. So here's just a few examples um, of that. Matthew 6.6 in the King James Version says, But thou, then thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, many people today have taken that verse as is and actually have emptied out their closet or moved some of the clothes aside to kind of create this prayer closet because it's what Jesus had said. And nothing is wrong with that, you know, one bit. I actually like the idea. It kind of creates more of a personal space, uh, kind of a private place where you can go and be alone and pray. Uh, However, a closet back then was not where you kept your clothes. Uh, it was just a meaning of a private room. And all the verses prior to the King James Version actually used the word chamber. Um, another one is bowels. So bowels back then meant compassion or feelings. So if you look in the King James Version today, uh, in Philip 1.8, it says, For God is my record, How greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. So, sounds a little weird today, doesn't it? Um, So, it it just, they don't have that same meaning. In Philippians 4.6, it says, Be careful for nothing. You know, it sounds like you're saying, Hey man, you know, be careful for nothing. Live life by the edge. Um, But careful back then actually meant anxious. So, it's better translated today as, be anxious for nothing. A few more words is instant. It didn't mean right away. It meant persistent. Leasing, like lease to own, it meant lying. Uh, The word without, it actually meant outside. And lastly is charger. Um, It did not mean something you used to charge your phone or maybe a, a fancy car. Uh, meant a large platter. In King James Version, Matthew 14, 8 says, And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. Um, There, There's many, many more words that are either obsolete or don't have the same meaning. I just wanted to give some basic examples there. So, now, you may have noticed that there are verses in the King James Version that the new translation have completely removed. And if you didn't, and you're just as surprised as I am, um, you know, know you're not alone. This was one of the things that I just wasn't able to explain away for the discussion um, that my friend and I had about new translations possibly slowly uh, slowly trying to change the Bible. So, let me tell you some examples. If you look in the King James Version, John 5, 4, it says, For an angel went down at a certain reason into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then, first after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, if you look at the newer translation, like, the NIV or the NLT, it's a New Living Translation, it's just not there. 5-4 is blank. Uh, same with Matthew 18 11. King James Version says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. However, again, looking at some of the newer translations, like NIV and NLT, it has been removed. Now, you might be asking yourself, why has it been removed? But if you look at Matthew 18.11 in newer translations, it tells you to read the footnotes. And those footnotes say, uh, usually some manuscripts use the verse from Luke 19.10 here. Okay, so if we go and look to see what does Luke 19.10 say, we'll find that it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Alright, it's practically identical to the verse in King James Version. So it's important to also note that for most of the verses that seem to have been removed uh, also are always found somewhere else in the New Testament. So they're not trying to just remove the idea of it, because even if that's gone, it's spoken of many times in other areas, so the idea is still getting across. And to add, you know, the verses that are changed are all, you know, of minor significance. None of them will contradict or have an impact on any of the Bible doctrines. For example, you'll never see things removed like Jesus's death and resurrection, um, Christ being the only way to salvation, salvation by faith and not works, um, the doctrines of heaven and hell, sin and redemption, Um, you know, and the, the nature and character of God. So you're probably still asking yourself why or how the newer translations can remove verses and it still be reliable. Well, that's an excellent question and one that leads me into my third reason, which is the discovery of new manuscripts. In 1611 the King James Bible used a collection on the original version of about six manuscripts at the time to translate, with the earliest one dating back to about the 10th century. In 1881, the revised version came out and was based on about 2,000 manuscripts in that New Testament uh, that had been discovered, the oldest dating back to about the 4th century. Uh, Today, there are now over 5,300 manuscripts that date back as early as the 2nd century. So now we can kind of answer the question of why some of the newer translations have left verses out. And that's because based on the newest discovered manuscripts, they had discovered that a large percentage did not include the verses that were included in the King James Version. So this fact more argues that maybe the King James Version had included verses that were likely not included in the majority of manuscripts rather than newer translations like NIV or NLT wanting to leave them out for their own personal agenda. And I want to pause a moment and inform everyone that after I watched these videos that I studied um, and got the information that I just shared... Uh, regarding how many manuscripts there are today and and how many were used in the 1st King James Bible. Uh, I learned that when I went to research and confirm all this for myself, uh, almost every website said something different. Um, nothing terribly different, but they it's like no one agreed on the fact. So it's it's kind of like these numbers are not fact. But two of my favorite speakers used almost the exact same numbers in two different shows. So I'm just kind of choosing to... Uh, use those numbers and trust the research that they did, as well as what I tried to look up. Um, if you happen to come across some major differences with facts, um, send me an email, which I'll be giving out here shortly. Um, regardless, though, you know, isn't it cool to see that possibly the first King James Bible only had about half a dozen manuscripts for translating, um, but even if it was 50, uh, the King James Bible translation is like 95% consistent with the translations of today uh, that were able to use over 5,000 manuscripts. So I think that just goes to show um, that the gospel is truth and that there's just too much evidence that proves the consistency in God's word dating back to the second century all the way up until now. Um, okay, so back on track. Here's an example of a verse I found a complaint about claiming that the NIV and NLT chose to leave this out in Luke 9:56, 56 uh, in the King James version it says for the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and they went to another village okay Luke 9:56, 56 in the newer translation says and they went to another village okay Um, So here is how it would sound if I give you a little more context. A few verses before it says, When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked the Lord, I'm sorry, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from the heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then the King James Version would continue on to say, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So, yes, I would agree that this sounds better than if you were to just say, he rebuked them and they went into another village. However, if it was discovered that, let's say, 80% of manuscripts were not found to have written down what it was that Jesus said when he rebuked them, then wouldn't it make more sense that you didn't include it rather than just putting an additional verse in that sounded good Or might have been in a few and sounds good so we want to keep it. Um, So that's kind of how I see that. Okay so we've reached the part of the episode where I'm going to announce the key verse. I haven't done that in a few. Um, So you know you'll get a chance to win a prize again for the drawing and since I last did this I've now created a Facebook page which I'm sure a number of you are aware of uh, called Searching Scripture. And on that page is my new email, which is searchingscripturequestions@gmail.com, at gmail.com, uh, where you can write to me the verse for a chance in the raffle. Um, and uh, you'll get to see who the winner is um, on that by following Searching Scripture webpage uh, on Facebook. So today's key verse is Isaiah 55, 11. So go and email me or text me if you have my number, what the verse says, along with what Bible translation it came from. Okay, moving on. Uh, In 1895, we discovered from thousands of manuscripts that the Greek spoken in the New Testament was common spoken Greek. Um, This was language that everyone knew. However, prior to 1895, the scholars, they didn't know that fact. Uh, The scholars back in the day, including uh, the translating of the King James Version, thought it was a special type of Greek. They thought that maybe all these extra words were made up by the Holy Spirit as he inspired the authors. Uh, There were over 500 words that didn't have any outside uh, evidence from the New Testament manuscripts, so they had to kind of look at the context and guess on the meaning of the word. Um, And so this was sometimes referred to as uh, the Holy Ghost Greek. Uh, However, today there are less than 50 words that are unknown outside of the New Testament that have not been found in any other manuscripts. So giving an example, uh, one example would be the word Tetelestai. In John 19.30, Jesus shouts Tetelestai before bowing his head and dying on the cross. Um, It wasn't until the late 1800s that we uh, now knew for sure that this word was commonly used on things like receipts. Uh, It'd be written at the top, and it would mean paid in full, or your debt is resolved. So this would have been very clear to the Greek-speaking readers that, you know, what this meant is that Jesus' death had paid for their sins in full. Uh, Another example would be begotten. Um, In what is probably the most famous verse is John 3.16. In the King James Version, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, It wasn't until the later of 1895 that we now know a better translation uh, than begotten would be one and only. So he gave his one and only son. Now, people might say, yeah, but the King James Version just sounds like the Bible. You know, the old English words, it kind of makes it authentic, more gaudy. And, you know, it's true. um, It's an amazing work of art and it's beautifully written, but it doesn't make it more accurate. And people shouldn't be pushing it on you because it's just what they like. Um, Now, in 1982, the New King James Version was established, which is going to be a little more accurate than the original because it's able to still translate word for word from the 1611, but keep out, or I'm sorry, keep a look out for changes that uh, have been discovered in more recently found manuscripts. Um, This is a very good translation because it has updated some of the language and uh, kind of taken out some of the archaic terms that are not used today, um, but also loses some of its literary beauty. So in case any of you were wondering, I use a variety of translations depending on what it is I'm doing. If I'm doing a deeper study, then I will use the King James Version on my eSword app. Uh, as well as the NLT, uh, New Living Translation, to help clear up anything that I'm having trouble with when I'm reading it. Um, however, when it comes to just sitting down and reading, um, I use the NIV. It's called Every Man's Bible. Um, I, I enjoy that one. Um, the NIV is a phrase-for-phrase Bible, which makes it a nice and easy read. Um, something that the NIV got right which might surprise some of you, is uh, in Philippians 4.13. This is one of the verses that gets taken out of context most, um, and the NIV Bible makes it that much harder to take out of context. Uh, In the King James Version, the verse says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. The NIV says the verse this way, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So it goes from all things to all this. And you think, well, what is all this? So now we have to actually look at the context. Paul is talking about having the power to endure any circumstance. In verse 12, it says, I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So by seeing the correct verse translation in the context, um, you know, we're not being told that we can do anything like become a CEO or, or win a football game. Um, some, some even like Joel Olstein, who teaches the prosperity gospel, which uh, will be an episode I plan to cover soon, Um, he'll even try to deceive and say that it teaches God will bless us financially if we are faithful. But in contrast, Paul is teaching that we will endure all kinds of suffering and difficulties, but we can be content in any circumstance, whether that's in times of plenty or in times of poverty, we can get through it by the strength that Christ gives us. So, really, what it comes down to is that the Holy Spirit can speak to anyone through any translation. I believe He is powerful enough to do that. Many different translations have brought hundreds of thousands of people to Christ, so we need to be careful about our arguments when it comes to different translations. If all someone has ever read for, say, the last 10 years is the NIV, you know, don't undermine their relationship with the Lord because of that. Or the opposite, um, you know, you might have a new believer who's excited to read his very first Bible, and before he can even open it, someone is telling him, you know, that Bible's corrupt or it's inaccurate, um, which can do more harm than good, in my opinion. So my recommendation is to find the Bible that is going to work for you. If you find it difficult to follow or understand the word-for-word translations like King James Version, then go ahead and read the phrase-for-phrase like an NIV or an NLT and don't feel bad about it. If you have a Bible that you are uncertain about whether or not it translates as the true Word of God, uh, maybe it's one I haven't mentioned then uh, you should try to become familiar with a few verses that speak to the deity of Christ. Um, some examples will be John 1.1, 1, 1, um, John 20.28, 20, or Colossians 2.9. Uh, you can reference those to kind of see what it is that I'm, I'm saying. You know, I don't exactly know why, but I've always just kind of had complete faith that the Bible is the true and inspired word of God. Um, he is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and I certainly believe that you know, if he can inspire the prophets and the authors who wrote the Bible, uh, I believe he can inspire the group that decided what should or should not be in the Bible. Uh, like I say in my intro, I don't think there's anything that slipped into the Bible that God did not allow there nor was there anything decided to be left out that God wanted in. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit is capable of preserving the word of God and would not allow anyone who's truly seeking truth to be led down a path of destruction by reading a Bible that was created to trick a Christian uh, say into believing something other than our core beliefs. And I'm not saying that other writings like the book of Maccabees, you know, that they're fake or they can't be trusted. But I just believe that when they were left out and decided as not to be uh, a complete inspired word of God, that God allowed those to be left out and to not be combined in the book that we say has final authority on all things. So, yeah. Um, Okay, well, that is going to be All I have on today's topic. Um, I hope you guys were able to learn a thing or two like I did for this episode. And don't forget to email me or message me on my Searching Scripture Facebook page, or you can also click on the Searching Scripture Questions at gmail.com link there to send your answers. Um, Don't forget to follow me on whatever source you're listening to as well as following my Facebook page. Um, yeah, and then you'll, when you follow, you'll get to see who the winner is at the end of the month. So thanks everyone for listening and I will catch you next time.